0: Hey, Freedom Jumpers, welcome to the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. I am your host, James Jenkins. This is episode 57, and my guest is none other than Dr. Billy Williams himself. Uh, Billy reached out to me on uh, LinkedIn a few weeks ago and just said, Hey, kid, you're doing good stuff. I'd like to show my appreciation and uh, come on your show. And, uh, you know, get into a nice, lively conversation. And uh, we did. And I think you're really going to enjoy this. For those of you that aren't familiar, Billy is an absolutely iconic figure uh, in the industry. Uh, He has become a partner, a a consultant, uh, a part owner in well over 100 retail agencies. And he is widely considered to be one of the best minds in our industry uh, for a variety of subjects. Uh, the conversation that we get into here in episode 57 has a lot to do uh, with discipline, with process, uh, with team building, with uh, niche selection, and, and focusing and succeeding in a niche. really think you're going to enjoy this one. So, as we jump into episode 57, please subscribe, drop us a review, and share AFP with someone in your circle, someone who's still in captivity, someone who would benefit from the work that we are doing here wanted to extend an open invitation to you, Freedom Jumper, to join us for our agency Freedom Shop Talk. It happens live every Wednesday at 11 central in the Agency Freedom Facebook group and live on Zoom as well. Check the show notes for the link to join us for that Shop Talk call. It is 100% free. It is nothing but value for you and your team and your agency. Let's go ahead and jump into the bumper and get to episode 57 with Dr. Billy
1: Williams. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. There are two kinds of people in the insurance industry, those who are captive and those who are free. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Captivity can go far beyond the companies you represent. It starts
0: between your ears and its impact is felt in every corner of your
1: business. We're all about helping agency principals and sales professionals reach your maximum potential and flex your freedom. If your goals are big enough, you're gonna have
0: to get uncomfortable to be able to reach them. Our team at RiskWell is living this out every single day. This show is where I share our successes, our failures, and everything I learn
1: along the way. We deliver relevant, tactical, and actionable content from industry peers, innovative partners, and a variety of leaders from other business verticals. We're not holding anything back. There's no upsell, no
0: guru pitch, and no fluff. It's time to unshackle yourself from captivity and make your freedom jump with the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. All right, folks, back again for another episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. This is, if my math is correct, I think episode 57, and we're in for a real treat today, folks, because the man himself, Dr. Billy Williams, is with us. He is in the house, and uh, you might be asking yourself, well, how in the world did you get him on your show? He is, uh, he's is he got a lot going on, and uh, Billy was kind enough to reach out to me and say, hey, you're doing some cool things. I want to say thank you by coming on your show, and Talking shop with you and delivering the incredible value that he does if you've ever heard from him before. Uh, so, uh, Billy, Dr. Williams, uh, however you'd like for me to refer to you. Thanks for it's being on the show fine. today, man.
2: Billy is fine. Good you deal. You know, and, and I think it's important that especially young content creators in our industry, folks like you, Jason, you know, other, other people that are doing amazing things that, the kind of old crew that's been around for a while, that we have the following, we kind of have that credibility that we, what we call transfer of influence, we lend our influence to what you guys are doing. Because, you know, I'm at that stage in my career where I'm, I'm thinking cruises every two months, you know, I'm playing golf every day, I'm doing whatever. I'm not out here beating the streets the way that you guys are. Yep. And so I think it's really important that, we pass on our transfer of influence to you guys, you young creators, you young guns that are here keeping the industry moving ahead. So thank you for what you guys are doing.
0: Man, it it is inspiring to hear someone like you say something like that. It's, I mean, it's not an accident that you have the influence you do. Uh, Lord knows you put in plenty of years of hustle like I'm in the middle of right now, Uh For those that don't know, for those that aren't familiar, do you mind giving a little bit of background on who you are and the whole Inspire a Nation thing?
2: Absolutely. I'll start back before insurance. How about that? Sure. I was in the Army for 21 years. I was commander of Army College Recruiting, meaning if there was a recruiter on a college campus anywhere in the country, they worked for me, right? So, obviously, we had to have processes and systems. and I mean, it's military, right? Uh, now that's not the only thing I did in the military. I was a military police officer, all that kind of stuff. So, but my last few years, I was, I was a commander of Army College recruiting. When I got out, I had to, I, I'd already had a PhD. You know, I finished my PhD while I was in the military. So I'd hit a point. I was 41 years old, about to be 42. I knew that I had a second life coming. And I said, what am I going to do with this PhD I have? I have a PhD in finance. What am I going to do with it? So I looked at banking, investment banking. I look at all these other things. But the one thing that stood out to me most was insurance. Insurance for one reason, residual income, you know, common sense, residual income. So you take residual income and compound interest and you put it into a career where you can really benefit your community, where you can make a difference in people's lives. It seemed like a no brainer to me. Hmm. So and I started working at Allstate April 1st, 2004. Well, I actually started working at Allstate three or four months prior. I actually worked for Allstate. Um, and then I realized I didn't want to be an employee. It wasn't my personality. So I actually resigned from that and then opened a scratch agency April 1st, 2004. Took my processes that I did in the Army, you know, Hiring, training, accountability, process, workflow, all the different things that I'm that are my strengths and applied those to insurance. Applied those in the way we market, the way we train, the way we hire, the way we did everything, the way we processed all of our workflows, the way we tracked all of our workflows, just everything. So everything was consistent because if you can't repeat it, it's not science. Okay, it's luck. And I did not want my business ran off luck. 2004, I was um what they call, I guess, their star performer, agent of the year, whatever, 2005 agent of the year, 2006 agent of the year for, for the Illinois area. Um, just, you know, I wouldn't say we were killing it because while I looked good on stage, I was still broke. <laughs> okay. A lot of agents know exactly what I'm talking about. It looks good, but at the end of the day, it doesn't necessarily relate to revenue. It doesn't turn into money, money. Yeah, and so I needed to make sure that I was making more money. So in 2008, I actually sold that agency and bought into an independent agency. Again, applying our processes, workflows, all those particular things. And here we are since 2008. Now it's 2022. I have about 170 partnerships where I am part equity owner in those agencies. And we come in and we apply our processes, our workflows, our accountability, the training, when people bring me on, it's not because they need money. It's because they want to take their business to a different level. And by having me on your board, by having my team behind me uh, with our processes and workflows and history, having us behind you, you can take a $10 million agency and turn it into a $20 million agency. So you gave up 5 or 6% ownership, but you doubled the size of your agency. So that's why people bring me up.
0: Well, that's a smart swap any day of the week now, for sure. So the, the hard part for me as a podcast host with someone of your caliber, honestly, is we could talk about 12 different things and yeah. you would deliver an outstanding bit of content for our audience here. You know, as I think about the things that you're uniquely qualified to talk about uh, against the other guests that we have on. The two things that seem to to come to mind first is mindset. You have an obviously very hardened mindset. You are very gritty in the way that you approach uh, this game. Uh, And then just operational standards, systems, processes, workflows. You have a very, very specific way of doing just about everything. So if you don't mind, I'm gonna limit my questions to those two areas. Mindset first and foremost. And then okay. after that, we might get into some agency operation stuff. Okay. So, when when you are coaching an agency owner, maybe someone who's early stage or hasn't quite made it yet, I certainly don't feel like I've made it yet. Uh, when the topic of, of mindset of headspace comes in, uh, how are you approaching that conversation uh, from a, a coach mentality? What do you want to get across to this to our audience, for instance, on maybe some some best practices for getting out of your own way and keeping that mindset where it needs to be?
2: Here's what's so crazy. I don't worry about a person's mindset. I, I don't at all. I don't try to motivate them. I don't try to fire them up. I don't try to get them into I, I I, All I need from you is discipline. Okay? your Your mindset will follow your activities. So if I get you doing the right activities, you will fall into the right mindset. Now, the right mindset is either I can do this. This is awesome. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep doing this. Or the right mindset is I don't want to do this and I need to walk the hell away. Either way, I win because you're not wasting my time. So I don't worry about a person's mindset. I don't worry about buying in. I don't worry about any of that stuff. What I worry about is are you disciplined enough to follow sorry I have a golf tee in my hand, you know what I'm gonna go do as soon as we finish, right? Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh are you disciplined enough to follow my processes. That's what I'm concerned about. Because here's the deal most people don't realize. Well, let me ask a question. I'm not even going to put it into a a scenario. We're going to ask a question. How many songs would you say there are in the world today? I'm talking songs. Different cultures, different everything. How many songs would you say there are in the world today?
0: I mean, tens of millions probably.
2: Tens of millions, right. Do you know there are only 12 musical notes?
0: Hmm. Yeah, you're right.
2: 12 musical notes. Now, there are different variations of those notes. There's some are slower, some are faster. You can play sharp, you can play flat, you can play do whatever. You can play them on a different instrument. You can play them on uh, a different pattern. You can do whatever. But at the end of the day, music is made from 12 notes. All music is made from variations of 12 notes, right? So understanding that if we can make tens of millions of songs based on 12 musical notes and variations of 12 musical notes, then why can't we grow a $50 million agency when there are only 23 core processes an insurance agency does. So for me, this made to me, this is so simple because it's like, guys, there are only 23 core processes in an insurance agency, starting with your marketing and going all the way to your renewal process, right. And carrier relationships. There are only 23 core processes. So if I'm trying to change your mindset, the first thing that I have to do is change your activity and then the mindset will follow. So where most agencies fall short is that they don't, number one, their time management is terrible. So they don't perform the, the right activities because they never planned to perform the right activities. They never set aside time to perform the right activities. So let me stop talking ambiguous and let's talk specifics. Let's take the most, what activity happens most in an insurance agency, right? It's usually an inbound call from a customer. If we track all the activity in an agency, 80% of the activity is some type of inbound call from a customer. Well, that's an endorsement process. So if the endorsement process is look up my phone number, verify the address, Get permission to text message. Ask the customer what they need while asking them. Look at your agency standards and see what current coverage the customer has that does not match the agency standards. Process whatever that endorsement is. Mention the weakness that they are not meeting our standards and then send a confirmation email. That's the process. Whether you're whether you've been there a week, whether you've been there for 10 years, whether you've been there for 50 years, doesn't matter. That's the process. So when I can get an agency to follow the process and they start to see, you know what? By looking up my phone number, I'm now cleaning up my database. OK, so looking up my phone number makes sense. By getting permission to text message, I now I'm communicating with 92 percent of my customers versus 40 percent of my customers. Okay, getting permission, to text message makes sense. By having an agency standard, I am now talking from the same communication, right? Everyone in the agency, whether you're licensed, whether you're non-licensed, whatever. My non-licensed people aren't talking to customers, but they're recognizing these are our minimum standards we want every customer to have.
0: And yeah. if you don't
2: have it, that's a problem. So now even my non-licensed people can shoot a, a quick chat or Slack message to a licensed person saying, hey, I'm doing an endorsement for this person and I noticed that they have $50 per day rental car and our standard is 75. I've noticed they've got $100,000 liability in their home and our standard is 300. I noticed that they've got a $1 million umbrella and they're a business owner where our standard is 2 million for all business owners. They can shoot that quick message, Slack message to the licensed producer who now can follow with that customer. So all of our people are trained to speak the same language. That's why we have agency standards. Now, we express that to the customer. Customer understands. Hey, customer, because you're not meeting our standards, I'm going to send you a confirmation email that shows what I did for you. But it also explains where you're not meeting our standards. Hmm. See, that's a process. Yeah. And I don't need rocket scientists to work that process. I don't need the smartest, best, brightest people in the world to work that process. I don't need you to have a perfect personality. I don't need you to be to just, you know, be all bought in. I don't need any of that. I just need you to work our process. Hmm. Oh, going to your question about mentality. I don't worry about mentality. I worry about activity. If I get the right activity, you will follow because the success of the activity will change your mentality.
0: And unlike these trailing indicators like revenue, written premium, etc., the activity is always a leading indicator. You're going to get a lot better results from a leading indicator than you will looking back retrospectively because, I mean, best case scenario, you're looking at data that's at least 30 days old.
2: Well, not just that, but I can't control the outcome, Yeah. right? So I, I could tell you I need 20 new policies this month. But if I can't tell you based on our history that 55 conversations, every 55 conversations, we get three new upsells. Every 100 phone calls, we get four new sales. Every 450 emails that you send out, we get two new sales. If I can't give you those kind of numbers, me begging you for 20 new policies is doing nothing. Where I really can help you is by saying, look, I need 20 new policies and these are the processes and the results that we've tracked. That I know if you do this, 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 and this, you stand a much greater chance of getting those 20 policies. In the Army, when I was commander of Army College Recruiting, we would have call nights, right? Where we call all the all the recruits, high school kids, college kids, whatever. And when I took over, my thing was I didn't care about how many calls you made. What I care about what I cared about was how many times you heard no. Right? How many times did you hear no? And you couldn't get off the phone. You couldn't stop calling until we had a hundred no responses, right? Now, when I first did that, everyone said, oh, this is crazy. You know, what are you doing? This doesn't make sense. You know, no, because what I understood was if I tell you to go get me 10 10 appointments, you may get those 10 appointments in the first 20 phone calls and you're done because you feel like I accomplished what I need to accomplish, right? But if I get 100 no responses, it may take you 200 phone calls to get 100 no responses. Or it may take you 50 phone calls. I mean, 110 phone calls to get 100 no responses. But I also knew 100 no responses always led to at least 15 appointments. Always.
1: Hmm.
2: It, was, it was like science. I could count on it.
0: Well, that's okay. the beauty of having enough data, right? So exactly. you, you mentioned it early in the conversation, data integrity. Uh, And that is is something that we are focusing a lot of energy on. Anything along those lines that I need to know about uh, and our listening audience, obviously, other than just, you know, when you have someone on the phone, glance at the AMS and make sure that the critical data points are where they need to be. And obviously, um, you know, we check at renewal every year, you know, prior to delivery we have an annual questionnaire that says, hey, we have our, your information, obviously. Please confirm your preferred phone, your preferred email, etc. Uh, anything else that you like to talk about as far as data integrity, because you know Chris Paradiso and Hanley and so many of these other guys are big fans of uh, you know, Donna for Agents uh, and other platforms similar to that that can do some really cool stuff, but only if you've got good data. If you don't have good data, you got nothing. Exactly.
2: No, and and again, it's very simple. You know, I like to keep things very simple. I'm I'm probably the least technology-focused person out of all the supposed gurus in the industry because for me, I want my AMS to be the master of all, you know, I'm not the combine it with the CRM and go get this extra tool and then go get that extra tool and go do this and go do that. And I'm not that guy. I don't need 17 things. I don't need Asana and Slack and HubSpot and all. I don't need all that. I'm gonna make sure that the agency management system that I choose for that agency or whatever partner agency I use, that, that agency management system does 90% of everything I need. Right? And the reason why I know it'll do it. Is because we don't buy the hype of the agency management system. We take our processes and we go to the agency management system and go, show me how to do these 14 steps in this process. Show me how to do these 11 steps in this process. Show me how to do these six steps. So because I'm doing that, I'm not worried about my data not being accurate because my processes always require and always demand that we get accurate data. In order to work the process. So, again, looking up by phone number, verifying the email address, uh, sending a confirmation email. I'm going to send this confirmation email to you. What's the best email address to use to send it to get this to you right now? And then making sure that when we do send it, we have a system, our agency management system that can show if it was open. And see, that's what a lot of these guys are doing. They're going out and they're buying all these different tools and they have seven different clicks and, you know, eight different things and all that kind of stuff. I don't want that. I'd rather go to one or two systems maximum and get everything that I want out of those systems. And that's why I work so closely with the agency management systems like Hawksoft and those guys. I work closely because I want them to be my go-to system. Maybe they don't have all the functionality I need. But a lot of times it's because no one ever talked to them. No one ever said, I want to be able to track my opens on my email. I want to be able to track which text messages were read. I want to be able to track my delivery rate on this. No one ever asked them for that. So because they were never asked, they never saw it as a priority. Hmm. Well, now we come in and we ask. So instead of buying a canned system that does it already, I'd rather make my systems or the systems I use stronger. Because my staff, the team that, that we have, they don't want to go to eight different systems. They want to go one place and get it all done. No, so
0: I love that the
2: integrity for us is always about our process. And the thing about thing about it is, and be honest with you, everything, no matter what question you ask me, it's always going to flow back to the same thing: what does your process look like? Yeah, because process is the key to everything. Process is why the military can take a kid from. You know, the peanut farms of Georgia and the cornfields of of Iowa and the potatoes of Nebraska and the the surfers of California and, you know, wherever else, bring them all into one entity and make them into the best fighting force in the world. Hmm. We're not trying to individually try to figure out who you are. We're trying to make sure that individually you're a piece of a greater process.
0: So, let's, let's pull it back a level from that because I, I definitely agree with you. Uh, I've been banging the drum on systems and processes since the beginning of this podcast. For someone who sits there and is saying, hey, you know what? I don't disagree with you. Process is really important. How do we go about developing that? Because I see, I see really two pieces of the process. Uh, there is you know the rough draft the core process documentation as we call it that is no more than five steps from very beginning to end and it's designed to be a little bit more high level not super granular and then we have the fully documented process that could be to your point 14 steps what's the best way to begin documenting these processes and figuring out exactly what the ideal standard is for you know everything and to your point 23 different processes that the agency goes through how, how does well, someone get started way, with that yeah
2: just your normal work day so that means if you were doing a quote today right you say what's the first thing i do when i quote something oh okay i go to this form so step one get your quote sheet okay what's the next thing i do oh, okay, I start here. Now, depending on how granular you want to go, you can go each section of the quote sheet or you can say, I take this auto quote sheet version three and that's what I use. So that's step two, version three. Step three is, then I always ask the customer for this particular data. So you can make it as granular as you want or you can make it as simple as you want. But the key is, you got to start with steps. It's always about the steps and I'm a step-by-step guy. I'm the kind of, If I can't break it down to a number, then it's too complicated. So there are 23 core processes in an insurance agency. There are five ways we make money as insurance agents. That's it. New policies, new policies for existing customers, increasing coverage limits on existing policies, renewal and broker fees. That's it. Those are the only five ways we make money legally in the insurance industry, right? I guess you could count shared commission, but that's still new policies, right? Or, yeah. or new policies for existing customers. And then contingency so and
0: profit point. sharing if you meet loss ratio targets and whatnot. Uh, I don't know yeah. if you would want to break that out as a separate thing.
2: But see, for me, the the profit sharing is a part of new business. Yeah. If I didn't write new business and I didn't have renewals, I don't have profit sharing. Makes sense. So why make it, why add a six one? There you You go. You know what I mean?
0: Keep it simple, stupid, right?
2: Exactly. Keep it simple. Uh, So it's the same thing. I mean, we, I I break everything down to a number. If you ever hear me talk, it's always seven this, five this, four this, two this, nine this, whatever. And so it's the same thing with our processes. Each process in your agency is going to have a certain amount of steps that are needed in order to complete that process where most agents get complicated with stuff is that they don't make things into a number, right? Math is the international language and they don't make things into a number. So if I ask you, hey, how many steps are in your renewal process? Well, Judy may have 16 steps and Bob may have 12 steps and and Doug may have eight steps. Well, guess what you don't have? You don't have a process. Yep. Because a process would have a set amount of steps that everyone at a minimum knew that they needed to do.
0: Well, the, uh, the title of this episode has already uh, you know, declared itself. It is you know, Billy Williams on how process is king. Uh, and that, you know, it, it's everything. everything.
2: Yeah, process is everything. And, and there's some phenomenal tools that are out. There's a tool out called Tango.us. Okay. Okay. T-A-N-G-O.us. Okay. And what Tango does, Tango actually screen captures all of your movements on your on your computer and creates a PDF based on those movements. Tango.us, it is, um, it's a magical tool. And so you can start creating your process just by using Tango.us, right? And then if you mix that with Zoom, so you take, you record whatever you're doing, because that's one of the first things you should do, record everything you're doing if you're trying to teach someone else. So you, you take Zoom, record at the exact same time you're using Tango.S, tango.us that creates the pdf automatically for you now you just knocked out you know a process you got the video for the process and you got the pdf for the process and you did it all in with you actually doing the real process
1: hmm.
0: you know, i've heard so, tango a couple of times but i've never actually put eyes on it i heard they just rolled out Uh, a paid version of Tango that is a desktop application now. Yes. So it's not just a browser extension anymore.
2: No, it's a desktop. Now, full disclosure, you know, I always try to invest in things that I think are the best up-and-coming tools. So I am part of the investment team for Tango.us. But the reason why is not because I saw something and wanted to invest. It's because I saw something phenomenal that I think will really change a lot of things. And then I find a way to invest in those things.
3: Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merged? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude,
0: Well, and that really is the power of when you are able to achieve some success, when you can leverage that to bring more success. And honestly, my jaw dropped open when uh, you were talking with Hanley uh, a couple of months ago and the episode uh, was centered on the futility, the uselessness of chasing celebrity. And you were like, hey man, I want to make money. I want freedom with my time. That's what I care about. And that episode hit me so hard. Um, But one of the things that you talked about was that your collective operations, the things that you're involved in professionally have more than a billion dollars of net worth. Okay. And I'm just like, that only happens when you're really intentional with how you spend your time and where you invest your money. Now, that's really impressive, man.
2: Well, here's the deal. And you heard me say this. If you don't make the time to create wealth, then all of your time is spent fighting off poverty.
0: Yep. Okay?
2: And that's what a lot of people do. Remember, the first thing we said was, hey, um, you asked me about process. And I said, the reason why most people won't follow a process is because they don't make the time to create a process. They don't make the time to follow a process. So therefore, they're sitting here saying, oh, I, I can't. I can't get more sales. Okay, well, what's your sales process? Oh, I'm too busy to worry about it. Well, you know, you're too busy because you didn't block off the time to create that. So for me, you know, the first two, three hours of my day are money hours. So I'm not, I'm not going to let you waste my time. I'm not answering the phone. I'm not looking at text message. I'm not on Facebook, LinkedIn. I'm never on Facebook, but I'm not on LinkedIn. I'm not on whatever, because I got I to do things that make money. You know what I'm saying? So that's when I would create my process. And the thing about a process, process for me is freedom. Freedom for me is delegation. If I can't delegate it to someone, I'm not free. If I'm the only person who can do that, I'm not free. So the key is how do I make it so that I can hand someone something and let them do what I normally would do? This is where process comes in. Hmm. Right? I'd rather invest the hour teaching you the process and then go take my next four hours and play golf.
0: Yep. You're not going to delegate the golf. You're going to take that one for yourself.
2: Yeah, yeah. Golf is mine. (laughs) Golf is mine.
0: Oh, man. I'm going to pivot real quick because I do enjoy uh, a good game of golf when I get the opportunity to play, uh, which is not nearly as often at this stage in life as it will be at some point. Exactly. Exactly. You you are you live in Florida, right?
2: No, I live in Texas. No kidding. Look, My, I live in Texas. Live in Dallas.
0: Well, how about that? I I'm in McKinney. I had no idea you were in the Dallas area. Well,
2: actually, I'm in, I'm in Mansfield. I say Dallas because nobody knows where Mansfield is. Okay. Well, actually, yeah, I'm I know where
0: Mansfield, Mansfield is. Obviously, being being local. Uh, what what's your favorite course in DFW? Like, what's what's your go to course if you got an afternoon yourself, You can do whatever you want.
2: Well, if someone is playing with me and I want to take them somewhere i'm gonna take them to tangle ridge Uh, i'm gonna take them to take them to take to uh, rangers or cowboys or something like that but for me it's the brickyard right most people hate the brickyard because it is you, you have you ever played the brickyard i have not no the brickyard is where you literally have to hit up the side of a mountain and make your ball stand you got about 20, 20 yards and it better stay or else it's coming back down the mountain on you. I mean, it's, you got to hit on 18. You got to go around this lake where you literally have a 240 yard carry on your second shot, not your drive, your second shot. Right. Or you got three more shots to get around the lake. So you use one shot to get over or three shots to get around it. Mm. I mean, I, I love tough courses. I just finished TPC San Antonio uh where I finished second in the US amateur it's a, it's a, we have six majors a year and that's one of our majors and I just finished second in that um you guys can see other trophies that that I've won here quite a quite a few trophies that I like, win, I like I like winning trophies Yeah you these got your golf. shelf over uh, there These are golf trophies man um, But and remember I'm a new golfer I'm not a I'm not a 10 year, 20 year, 30 year golfer, you know, I'm a less than two year golfer, but I apply the same processes to golf that I apply to any other thing. I broke golf down into numbers. So for me, there are four major pieces of of a swing that I need to have in place, right? Uh, There are, when when I'm managing a course, I'm always trying to shoot for a five or less. I'm not worried about the birdie. If I can get the bogey, then I'll be fine because if I bogey every hole and then par my threes, right, eventually I'm going to shoot an 87, 88, 80 whatever. Most guys are still shooting 90-somethings or 100s, right?
0: Um, yeah, that that's me. Oh, I'm the guy who's shooting 90s and 100s.
2: And, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. You're not putting as much time and energy into it. But for me, golf, I had to make golf – you'll never make it simple, but I had to make it less complicated. So for me, my swing – is I can put numbers to my swing. I can say, am I a two? Am I a point three? Am I a point four? Things like that. It's the same thing in business. And I apply processes to everything that I do. I apply processes to, you know, how I read a book, how I, I mean, just, it doesn't matter for me. Everything is a process. And because a process is repeatable, you know, there's some people who get lucky and then some people who create their luck. I try to create my luck by putting the process in place. And when we're talking about insurance processes, like I said, there are only 23 things we do in the insurance industry, just like there are only 12 musical notes. Now, there are hundreds of variations of those 23 things. But at the end of the day, there are only 23 things that we do in the insurance industry. So my thing was master the 23 my way. Right. I don't I don't have to be the most popular musician on earth. It's just the people that like my music. I wanna be the best musician I can for that audience of people who like my music. Whether I'm a jazz artist, R&B, hip hop, dance, you know, country, doesn't matter. I wanna be the best I can be for my audience. Same thing as an insurance agent. Instead of trying to be a jack of all trades, try to be the best that you can for your audience. And that's a big problem in our industry is everyone is so busy chasing a dollar that they're stepping over. They're stepping over dollars to pick up dimes, right? Because they don't have a niche. You're not micro famous for anything. You just no one knows you for anything. Oh, you sell insurance. Well, what kind of insurance? I want to be famous. So even when I was a sitting agent, my tagline was like, um, for homeowners. Oh, I specialize in writing homeowners for young families with two or less children who live in a $250,000 home. That was like, I told everybody that. That's what I did. Why? Because where I lived, that was the neighborhood. But I didn't just want to say I sell homeowners insurance. There was nothing unique about that. So everyone can remember because it's it's so unique. Oh, he likes young families with two or less kids that live in a $250,000 house. Well, they didn't realize that's pretty much everyone in the damn neighborhood, but it made me stand out. And Hmm. that's what most agents don't do. They don't stand out.
0: I was wondering if you were going to open the can of worms that is the whole micro famous conversation. Now, my my talk on that really is the three elements of selecting the niche. You got to have some kind of knowledge or interest or something that makes you want to go into it some kind of expertise. You got to be able to speak the language. And then the second thing is, where's the money? What's the line of business? Are we going after, what is it? Vehicles, payroll, Is somebody own a right. building? Is there E&O exposure where we can sell a professional liability product? Where's the money coming from? Is there is the juice worth the squeeze, as they say? Right. And then lastly, are there enough prospects in this vertical in your market to make it worth your time? Uh, those are really the, when I give the niche uh, conversation those are my three elements uh, what do you want to add or adjust in that for the whole micro famous thing
2: no it's perfect that's that's it um you, you broke it all down i mean a lot of uh, and let's let's look at the weakness that a lot of people have so number one they try to talk about something they know nothing about they just see money trucking oh i'm gonna do trucking because i heard that's where big money is well you never even drove a damn volkswagen but yet you want to suddenly become a trucking expert right really? <laughs> you know what yeah I mean? so So they they, they just don't know. So that's number one. They really have no, they can't speak the language, like you said. Number two of the weaknesses, they'll go after something that they like, but there's no money in it.
0: You know
1: what I'm
2: saying? Like I'd see these agencies that are chasing renters policies. Dude, you got to sell 10,000 renters policies to, to make any damn money. Are you kidding me? And you're not leveraging, you're not taking renters and suddenly trying to cross-sell or trying to do this or trying to do that. You think somehow you're going to make money. It doesn't make sense. There's not enough meat on the bone for this to be a niche for you.
0: And my favorite example in that one, on the commercial side, I I like to pick on chiropractors. Right. Because, yeah, they're medical. But here's the thing. Chiropractors malpractice is 10% the cost of physicians malpractice. These folks almost never own a building. They almost right. never own a vehicle because they're just in their office. They're leasing space somewhere. They don't really have any payroll because you got what? Some young lady sitting at the front desk. So you got some 8810 class code, which is like two or three hundred dollars worth of work comp. Yeah. Well, where's the premium here? All right, you can write the you can write the the account, write the BOP and the umbrella and the work comp, and you're still sitting at fifteen hundred dollars in premium. So,
2: and and you're busting your butt because the thing is, it takes just as much time to write the chiropractor yep. as it did to write the doctor, yep. or write the dentist yep. or write the veterinarian.
0: Well, because with the dentist, dentists and chiropractors are the same conversation, but you know what a dentist has? Imaging equipment. Yes, the dentist almost always owns their building. I, I, well, I don't know what it is about the dentist. The dentist almost always owns the building that they're in, even if it's a you right. know a small retail strip center. If it's a freestanding building, you can rest assured the dentist owns that building. Right. So, I, I don't know. There's just some little nuances like that where, you know, chiropractors, probably a bad niche. dentist probably a good niche.
2: Right. And, but no, you're absolutely right. So, they, they don't look at the revenue to make sure that it's there. And then the last thing was, are there enough? So, you, you don't want to go outside of your little city. People say that all the time, I'm a small agent in a small city and... I just write, then why don't you expand your license for the entire state? Yep. It doesn't say your only license for Dallas-Fort Worth. You're licensed for the state of Texas. The only thing that stops you from expanding is your thought process. Right? Yep. It's the only thing. Because people don't care. At the end of the day, people go, oh, that, that doctor won't, write, won't do business with me unless I live in their neighborhood. That doctor is already spending $200,000 a year on malpractice insurance. That doctor probably has $800,000 in student debt that they still haven't paid off yet. That doctor wants the best deal from, from someone who's going to offer the best service and the best expertise. And if that's a phone call away, they'll make that phone call. No, yep. you know, doesn't have to be a sit down face to face dinner.
0: Now, we, uh, we operate currently in 37 states, and occasionally we'll get, uh, we do, most of that is in real estate investor uh, commercial properties and rental portfolios and whatnot. And every once in a while, we'll get the question, well, where are you located? We office in Texas, but we operate in 37 states. And they say, well, I want to, I prefer to work with a local agent. And my answer what? 100% of the time is, I'm as local as the phone in your pocket. I'm as local <laughs> as the email on your phone. When you need oh, so something, you're going to find us that fast. Yeah. So, yeah. no the.
2: But see, but see, you have the right thought process about it, though. You you don't look at that as a deterrent. Someone else would look at that and go, "Well, they're not going to work with me because they don't value themselves. They don't. You value your knowledge. You value your expertise. You value what you do, and you know that whether that ten minutes is spent face to face or that ten minutes is spent over the phone your value in that 10 minutes is going to far outweigh the value of anyone else they spend 10 minutes with. Most agents don't have that confidence.
0: Yep. Confidence. uh, That that is what we're going for. That's for sure. Stay away from arrogance and stay in the confident land. Um, You know, I'd love to pivot just a second because you you work with as a, as an equity partner and over a hundred retail insurance agencies. Now, some people listening to this podcast are probably sitting there going, how do I get on that list? I want to have that conversation with, uh, with Dr. Billy Williams and, and get access to the absolute mountain of, of knowledge and experience and expertise uh, that you are delivering. Uh, what is it that you look for in a candidate for an equity partnership? What are some things that stand out to you as, I'd like to have a conversation with this person?
2: Well, first and foremost, it's the three things that you brought up when you said you're looking for a niche. Because I'm always looking for partners that own a niche or that can own a niche. So without stealing your thunder, can you, can you recite the three things that you say it takes to own a niche or to control a niche?
0: I think you have to figure out who knows the people that you want uh, to be reaching. Because it's not just the insurance buyer. My uh, right. biggest vulnerability is prospecting. I don't cold call anybody right now, and that has to change. It will change. Uh, we hired uh, Jennifer Wallace to join our commercial team, and once Addie comes back, and she's our operations manager, uh, I am making a commitment to me personally doing outbound prospecting. Uh, but that's a different story for a different day.
2: But outbound prospecting to who while we're on that topic? Because I'm not a cold caller. I'm yeah. not a cold but what I am is I'm a big, big, big referral partner guy. Yeah. So if I'm going to make a cold call, yeah. it's going to be to someone who can send me 10 new pieces of yes. business, not someone who can send me, give me their one piece of business.
0: Exactly. And that was what I was about to go to. What What we are currently doing is marketing to the channel partners. So the question that I'm, when, I, when people are asking me, how do I find new business? And I, uh, not nearly to your level, but I have a lot of, of you know, coaching conversations with agents. And it always comes back to, to use a military term, you got to find your force multiplier. Mm -hmm. You got to figure out what the biggest bang for the least amount of effort, the least amount of time, how are you going to, you know, get the most ROI from your time and energy. And to me, that's channel partners. Because if you win a channel partner who's got a lot of your target profile in their Rolodex, or digital Rolodex now that Rolodexes aren't even really a thing anymore. Yeah. Uh, if they can introduce you to 20 of those people in the next year, well, great. Well, what about the other guy down the street who could do the same thing? So why would we prospect to 20 insurance buyers when we can prospect to three or four channel partners and and end up with you know, 40, 50, 60, 80 good prospects?
2: Exactly. exactly. So, so it, it, In so the niche, to, to answer your question, pretty-
0: that's really where it comes down to. Where's the prospect going to come from? Most importantly, number two, and probably even more important than number one, when you get in front of that prospect, how are you going to very quickly establish yourself as being worth their time so you're not mm-hmm. just another freaking talking head with the same boring, generic things that come out of your mouth almost robotically like, you know, we'll save you money. No, I I just don't care. Talking about price, talking about product, I'm not about that. So that that would be the second thing and...
2: Well, let me touch on that for a second. So one of the things that agents can do to really make themselves more of an expert is understand insurance is all about the claim. Okay, yep. It's all about the claim. What most agents don't understand is what are the claims? What are the top three claims that your niche sees? What yep. are the top three problems that they face every day? So one of the first things I do is I actually go, let's say I was thinking about investing in your apartment, I would, in your agency. I would actually go in, look at what your products are. And then I'm going to talk to your claims adjusters, right? Not just from the standpoint of seeing what the loss runs are or what, anything like that, but also what are the problems that people are really reporting? Because no one cares how good things are when they're good. Yeah. What they care about is when things go bad, what are you going to do for me? So now when I'm sitting down with that person, I'm having a conversation. The conversation is not about, oh, I can save you money. I can do this. I can do that. The conversation is about, you know, you within your niche. These are the top three problems that your niche is running into. These are the top three situations that you need to be prepared for. These are, you know, your employee dishonesty, your this or that. Like, let's talk about churches as an example. People think that the number one claims, I mean, you, you can go to Brotherhood or any of these. People think the number one claim when you're when you're writing a church is business property, right? Something with that. No, the number one claim in a church is employee dishonesty. You're like, but wait, it's a church. But hey, it's still the number one claim is employee dishonesty, right? And then probably more like building property or some kind of damage and then something else from there. But if I can sit down with you and have that conversation and go, hey, these are the problems that we're seeing across the board. This is what I'm an expert at making sure it's not going to bite you in the butt when things happen. And for my expertise I am reasonable as hell. My prices that we're going to charge are going to be very reasonable. The carriers we're going to put you with are going to be very reasonable. But there's no, no price, right, that is worth you being half ass covered. And then at your worst moment, you find out you got nothing. Yep. There's no price worth that. Because I, and I always tell people, think about this. If we could predict 30 seconds before you had a claim and how severe that claim would be, I could come to you with the biggest number and you wouldn't have any problem paying it.
0: Yep. As long as it was less than the claim. makes sense. Right. Yeah.
2: Right. I come to you with a big number as long. And if you felt like it was still better than the claim, then you'd pay that amount. Yep. But I don't know when that 30 seconds is going to be. So all I can do is best cover you. Yep. That's all I can do.
0: Man. Love that. Anything else you want to chat about before we- Yeah, and then
2: the third thing was, do you have enough niche? Do you have enough people in your niche to justify going after that, right? And there are people who just, they don't know. They don't know their demographics. They don't go out to us.gov and actually put in and go, how many people in my area are 35 years or under? You know, insurance buyers start from 35 to 65. That is your, if we're talking personalized, that's your big thing, 35 to 65. If you're talking business owners, then the age is different. The age is 40 to 60. So how many 40 to 60 year olds do I have in my area? Right. Because at that point, that's going to give me an idea of how many, not only how many personal lines people I can write, but how many potential business owners. And of course, depending on when the last census was done and what other demographic reports are out there with us.gov that you can go to. You can actually find how many businesses are in here and you can go to your workers' comp tables and you can go to, you know, Reference USA and find out how many employees there are and how many of these other things. But most people don't know. It, it, it's almost like saying I'm going to go fishing. But hell, I, no one's caught a fish in that pond in 20 years. Then mm. why are you, why is your dumbass ass sitting there with a fishing rod? <laughs> you know, what, 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 what's the point? Well, yep. it was easy. This was close to my house. You know, this was, I know this area. I grew up in this, you know, I, okay, but there's no damn fish in it. So,
0: yep.
2: yeah, and that's what agents don't do. They don't do enough research a lot of times to know that if this is a good niche, if this is a good pond to fish in, is there enough fish in this pond to feed everybody? They just don't know.
0: I would think the last thing, and this really is me standing on my soapbox for a little bit, is... Oh, matching ahead. it's your show. Stand where <laughs> yeah. you understand. Yeah, <laughs> M- matching the the program to the actual threats. Like when we go into to a conversation with, uh, for instance, I took a bor on an apartment complex uh, in Pearland here in Texas. 152 oh. units. It's a nice account. Uh, the incumbent had been on the account for I think seven years, and we took it by bor. And the only reason we did was because they were asleep at the wheel because they had missed a couple of things that are very important. Honestly, I'm shocked. I'm surprised that they allowed this to be on there because they're a well-established agency that has a pretty good specialization in habitational. And we took it on BOR because there was a couple of things that just weren't covered correctly. You know, with, with apartment investors, for example, the exclusions on the liability tower, starting with the GL and going up the excess layers, those exclusions make or break the whole thing. And so many people get stuck on, well, at least in coastal stuff and, and really across the entirety of the state of Texas and, and all of the Gulf Coast. You know, talking with Bradley Flowers and, and some other people, I realize that it's not just a Texas problem. The entire right. Gulf Coast has a major property insurance problem. Yes. But so many people get hung up on the property side of things. Now, my question to the insured is always, what is the maximum potential loss of your property? And they're always, well, what do you mean? I was like, I'm going to compare and contrast and help you understand that you're paying close attention to the wrong thing here. What is the maximum potential loss uh, to use you know, the risk management terms? What is the ultimate loss on that property? Well, whatever the replacement value of the property is, right? You got a $4 million apartment complex. What's your maximum potential loss? $4 million. What happens if you've got a liability claim? If there's a discharge of a firearm, if there is an abuse and molestation incident, if there's a, a party at your premises and there's a fight that breaks out and 12 people are involved in assault and battery, se- seven people go to the hospital, two people die, what's your maximum potential loss in a liability situation? My friend, it's a lot more than $4 million, I promise you. What happens if somebody dies on your premises? You've got a real big problem on your hands, a lot more than $4 million worth of problem. Just approaching it from that way because is the liability on a premium basis? Is the liability a big concern? No. It might be 20% of what the property premium is. It maybe less than that. But from an exposure standpoint, the liability is way more important than the property because of just where the threats lie. So just, just as an example there because that one's fresh on my desk because we literally took the BOR yesterday. And the only reason we did... Uh, is the incumbent agent was asleep at the wheel. It had nothing to do with the price.
2: Down. They don't break things down by the three pots of money. Remember, I put everything in, in numbers. As an insurance, we only sell three pots of money. That's it. Three pots of money. That's what we provide. We provide money for you and your family, money for others you'll end up owing, and money to repair or replace what you choose to insure. Now, if you're commercial, your employees become your family. Yep. So it's still money for you and your family, money for others you could end up owing, and then money to repair or replace what you choose to insure. Mm. The problem is agents don't put those coverages in the right pot. So when you sat down and you said someone dies on your property, well, that's money you could end up owing to others. Yep. right? Not money to repair or replace your building, which is what you're thinking about, but money you could end up owing to others. You're creating something on an apartment building. All of a sudden, that there's a discharge. There was a party. The balcony falls. Remember that that happened in uh, Fort Worth, I think, yep. where there was a party, and they were at an apartment complex. 20-something people away. fell. Yeah. 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 I mean, and guess who got sued? Every damn body.
0: Everybody. <laughs> right? everybody. The
2: person who threw the party, the person who owned the building, the person who- The I mean, property I, I
0: manager. Think the DJ. Everybody I think got sued.
2: DJ got sued. I mean, yeah, the property management uh, got sued. They went out of business, by the way. That property management company went out of business Mm. because of that lawsuit. I mean, it was everybody got sued. So at the end of the day, if agents would get back to number one, insurance is about the claim. It's always about the claim. Number two, the three pots of money, being able to make a customer understand where each coverage falls in those three pots. So even if it's something simple like service line right? People don't, th- don't think service line is a big deal for apartments. It's a huge deal for apartments. You know that. Yep. If that service line, if that, whether it's the electrical line or the sewage line or what it run, whether it runs to the street or doesn't run to the street or someone digs it up or so, don't, whatever, that service line could cost you tens of thousands of dollars. And it's something that the agent never mentions
0: because
2: yep. they forget that insurance is about the claim, not about the premium. It's about the claim.
0: Love it. That is solid because advice. Because they don't follow
2: a process. Yep. If they follow the damn process, all those questions would be asked on the fact finder.
0: Yep. Man, you are coming full circle here at the end of the episode. Is there anything else you want to cover before we land this plane?
2: No, my man. It's all good. Just people need to get back to the process, understand assurances about the claim. You may not think like me, but I'm telling you, when you can break things down to numbers – it's much easier to explain seven of this, three of this, five of this, four of this, you know, four types of discipline, self-discipline, accountability, automation, technology, and delegation. When you can, you know, when you can break things down into numbers, it's yeah. so much easier to explain. People think I'm smart. I'm not smart. I'm just good at math. Yeah. So <laughs> I just, well, that whole conversation
0: you had with Cass on a, a different episode where I think that's the first time Cass had ever heard that break down into four different types of discipline. That's a whole different conversation we could spend an hour on by itself. No, Love so, it. So wh- where can people get a hold of you if they want to reach out and have a conversation about uh, you know, consulting, uh, equity, uh, you whatever? Know, I'm
2: being honest. They're probably not going to get in touch with me necessarily.
0: Your team um, is fine.
2: I'm kind of out of that world, but they can reach us and our resources and our mentoring at inspireanation.org, www.inspireanation.org. We've got a lot of free resources, but we also have a lot of membership based resources if someone wants to go to that next level. And when I say resources, we spent 20 years putting together what we feel is the most complete library of how to run an agency, not how to just be an agent. You can go to anywhere and get that. But how to actually run your agency as a business. That's what we feel like we that's our strength. That's our value. Taking these processes and turning it into a business so inspire a
0: Inspireanation.org. freedom jumpers get at him he is dr billy williams and this has been episode 57 of the agency freedom podcast make it a great day boys and girls we'll talk to you again real soon y'all take care
1: thanks for listening to the agency freedom podcast Please subscribe to AFP on your favorite platform to get automatic updates with every new episode and help other people find us. If you like what you hear, please drop us a review and tell the world what you like best. Most importantly, please share AFP with someone you know who is still in captivity. They'll thank you later. Visit our website at agencyfreedom.com to get access to exclusive content and announcements. Join our community on Facebook by typing in Agency Freedom in the search bar. Send your questions, comments, guest recommendations, and favorite grilling recipes to us at podcast@agencyfreedom.com. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. Until next time, let's go.